0: Welcome back to another episode of the Around the Block podcast by Coinbase. I'm Justin Mart.
1: And I'm Catherine Wu.
0: Catherine, what are we getting into this week?
1: So um, this week we're talking about developer activity within the crypto ecosystem. Um, And so what we're basing this on is um, electric capital Uh, which is an early stage venture capital firm that invests in uh, the crypto ecosystem so every year they put out a developer report based on um, the activity that they gather from all the open source code depositories across different crypto ecosystems and today to talk about the report is maria shen who's a partner on the investment team at electric capital Um, so maria is uh i actually like met maria a couple years ago and i remember being so impressed by, uh, by her resume because um before electric she was like a co-founder and like the cto actually of an e-commerce startup um and she's also like um worked at microsoft she's like a harvard grad so like i remember just being like so woed by her the first time i met her and i think it makes her the perfect person to like lead the research efforts and also like to break down the report with us today
0: agreed personally i'm thankful that they're she, she's even doing this because somebody's got to pierce all this open source data and tell us what's going on right and who better than maria who better than electric capital a firm that has a bunch of previous software developers they know the space inside out and boys are a lot of interesting things to dive into so let's get to it
1: awesome since you started releasing these developer reports what three maybe four years ago um like just the how extensive you go with the research. And it seems like there's like a huge community behind it. So like, first of all, like kudos, it's amazing to see how far it's come and like how big the project's grown. And two, like, I can't imagine the data this year was easy to comb through at all. Before you even jump into that, like I want to just start with like the why, like why did you guys first decide to release the developer report? And what are you trying to show with these numbers?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think there's there's two reasons. Um, One is just that I, I, you know, I at Electric, I think we're fairly differentiated in that everyone on the investment team has an engineering background. Um, A lot of them have started companies. And so um, there is just kind of this natural affinity to builders and trying to understand where these builders come from. But separate from that, I I think, you know, crypto is an industry that's um, where a lot of attention is given to price. Um, and price movements. And so, you know, for us, understanding developers is really a way of understanding fundamental growth in the ecosystem and fundamental growth separate from how the markets are doing. Because if you think about it, you need developers to build things for there to be users, for there to be usage, for there to be transactions. And, And so everything kind of flows from the developers who are building applications, the developers who are working on core protocols, the developers who are, you know, securing networks. And so, you know, at its core, we think that's one of the most important signals that you can look at to
1: understand um, future value, right, eventually of the ecosystem. This is also pretty interesting in crypto because there's such a default to open source. And I do think that's like such a big spirit and like even being able to like do developer reports like this and be able to audit like um, different like uh, code depositories is because like a lot of the projects that are building the industry are open source by nature.
2: I mean, that's exactly right. It's, it's incredible when you think about it, is that we're working in an industry that's, uh, you know,
1: a little over $2 trillion
2: in value um, and all of you know, the majority of the data is stuff that we can find, right? Whether that's data on chain or that so much of the stuff is open source, even the, even the ethos from the very beginning for Bitcoin was like, Hey, you know, public mailing list. Like here's, here's, here's my thoughts on this like P2P e-money system called Bitcoin. Um, And by the way, here's the code for it. And just hit publish. And so like from the very, very beginning, I think that open source ethos has been, strong um, and continues to be. Um, although I, I do think it's important to caveat that there are a lot of developers um, who have always built in closed source who are, you know, who are incredibly important and a huge part of this community as well that the report doesn't um, get to cover uh, because we just can't look at closed source repositories, but that would include, for example, developers at Coinbase. That would include a lot of game developers, um, you know, and, and, I think that is also a part of it that, uh, unfortunately just can't be surfaced because it's, it's, it's not open data.
0: Yeah. Do you have a sense for how big it's undercounting? Do we have any way to ballpark that? Oh man.
2: Uh, I think it, I think it's really tough. It, 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 and the reason why it's tough is because it really is dependent on the type of application. So I would say for a DeFi application, actually a lot of that is open source. Um, the underlying protocol is an open source, like, you know, a. Uh, a lot of the times the UI is, is open source. Um, and that's also why you can see similar UI, like a lot of DEXs have similar UIs and it's just, it's easy to, you know, because it is out in the open and and people can, can utilize that. Um, but then when you take something like, um, an NFT project, right, where actually the only kind of open source code was the smart contract that was published, um, But there's there's really a lot of stuff behind that as well um, that's not included. Or if you think about gaming, it's that ratio is going to look very different where, okay, maybe the maybe the in-game economy that's crypto based is open source. But what about the, the the mechanics, right, the graphics and like all of that is going to be closed sourced. And so. I think a lot of it is going to depend on the industry as well, which is part of the reason why, um, you know, for example, in this report, we included DeFi open source developers um, and we, uh, we, we just didn't include NFTs um, NFT developers and gaming yeah. developers because it, it, it just would have, the, the data is incredibly skewed in that way.
0: Yeah. You know, I flipped through the report, by the way, um, earlier this morning and my sense was really interesting, really insightful pieces of data and, going to love to dig into all this pretty soon with you, but um, I also felt like it's directionally accurate. It's not necessarily set in stone. It doesn't necessarily tell you anything um, super concrete about the number of developers, but it's directionally accurate, right? So before we get into the details here, I feel like we should take a step back and actually ask ourselves, what is this thing, right? Because we kind of jumped into it talking about you know, the, the so what behind it, but maybe we should actually take a moment and describe what this thing is. Um, so what is the developer work? Can you give us just like the the quick overview
2: yeah sure so the developer report is um something that uh electric capital uh, which is an early stage crypto focused vc firm puts together every single year um and we really look at an incredible amount of data in order to uh to get to some of these insights so this year for example we looked at um you know nearly five hundred thousand code repositories. We looked at one hundred and sixty million code commits, and we actually fingerprint every single code commit. Um, and part of that is is so that we can discover our original code commits. that's not a copy paste, that it's not a fork. Um, and uh, in in order to really understand in depth how many developers are working in Bitcoin, how many developers are working in Ethereum, how many developers are working across web three. Um, what does that growth look like? What does retention look like? Um, you know, how do, how do different ecosystems compare? One of the things we looked at is how do EVM compatible ecosystems compare, uh, you know, this year? And, and how is that growth uh, looking? Um, and one of the things that Catherine alluded to in the beginning is that this is also a huge community effort, because in order to get the mappings, the taxonomy between the code repositories in which ecosystems they belong to, that is something we really have to rely on um, for the community to to pitch in as well. And so, um, you know, we've had over 100 contributors at this point um, just contributing uh, uh, repositories to to map out the the crypto ecosystem taxonomy. And so that's really incredible to see as well.
1: What were some of the data points that like really surprised you? One is that this was a year of all time highs.
0: I think
2: we've felt that kind of energy. Um, and by this year, I guess I mean 2021. I think across 2021, we all felt that energy where a lot of new people were coming in. I'm sure you guys got this a lot where friends would text you and asking about crypto. You would meet with teams who traditionally worked for Web2 companies, um, whether super, super senior or sometimes you know straight out of college. Um, Looking to get into the space, we're feeling like, hey, you know, I worked in the crypto or Web3 thing at my Web2 company, and it just feels like it's not innovating fast enough. So now I'm joining the space. And so I think we saw a lot of that energy. um, But to give to put a number against it was really incredible to see that um, this year, by the end of December, We had over 18,000 monthly active developers um, working in the space. So these are developers who actually actively contributed code, like, you know, in in the past, like 28 days. Um, And also that um, we had over 30,000 developers join. So new developers who had never touched any sort of crypto related code repository before, all of a sudden, um, 30,000, more than 30,000 new developers now committed some sort of code to a crypto related repository that's incredible Um, and that's the highest we've ever seen in history Um, and crypto at this point has been around for more than 10 years so in more than a decade of this industry's history we've never seen so many monthly uh, high such high monthly actives and we've never seen so many new developers entering
0: the space Real quick, can you yeah. help me put, put that into context? Is that a big number? Is that a small number? Like, how, how should I think about that number, 30,000 developers?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, on one hand, it can be incredibly small. And on the other hand, it can be powerful. Um, you know, if you think about traditional Web2 companies like an Amazon or Google, a couple tens of thousands of developers, um, I mean, are, are frankly making the software that's running the world today, right? Um, uh, that software that everyone almost in the world uses and touches and, and influences our life in some way. And so in that way, it's, it is incredibly, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very powerful to see that that's the kind of traction we're getting in Web3. But if you look at open source developers that are, for example, working with JavaScript, um, that's going to be a super high number. And, you know, we're, we're not really approaching that right now in Web3. 3. Web3 3 has about 18,000. So in that way, it's, you know, we're, we're really, um, we have a really powerful contingent. Amazon is at thirty six thousand developers. But then, if you look at the number of developers that are working on uh, JavaScript, that's like that's sixteen million.
0: You don't need a bunch of developers to do really interesting things. So I kind of wonder, like you know how much is one web three developer worth in the traditional world? like what is that scale there? Do we have a sense for that at all? I know it's I know it's some number more than one, right? but it's just a thought in my head, right?
2: One of the analysis that we did run and we, we didn't include it in this report, but we were just curious, like, you know, how many ecosystems is a single developer working in? Um, turns out really like very rarely do people work in more than two, which is which is uh, um, we, we just kind of expected. I think it does take um, an incredible amount of time. But also, if you think about the way that Web3 communities work, that once you're in a community, you're really um you're really solidly contributing and, you know, these are your friends, these are your people, this is your tribe. Uh, to how many developers does it take to, um, you know, to do some of this stuff? Um, it, like Bitcoin is a good example where it's an extremely mature ecosystem. And so you do still, you're still seeing more than a hundred new developers come in every month, like contributing something to Bitcoin, but overall, like you're looking at somewhere above um, 600 monthly active developers and that's holding up the entire ecosystem for years now. It's been chugging along with more than 500 monthly active developers. That's really amazing, and and I don't think it takes, you know, for for something that's a little bit more, more mature. I don't think it takes that many developers to maintain it and for upkeep.
1: Wait, that's crazy. Hold on, like only there's only 500, maybe 600 developers um, contributing to basically ensuring that Bitcoin is sustainable in its current state.
2: Well, so, right. So the number is um, like 673 monthly, but also keep in mind, again, open source only, right? Yeah. So now again, we're discounting like every developer who's working in, um, in an exchange. Um, maybe you think about the fact that Bitcoin is, uh, you know, the bread and butter of almost all exchanges. Like that's that's a huge undercounting too with the closed source developers. Um, but in open source, yeah. So we're looking at a little over, you know, a little over 600
0: we see huge influx of developers when prices go up, but we don't see huge exodus when prices go down. So I wonder what your insights here are and like the exact relationship between price and attracting new developers. One
2: of the really fascinating things is if we look at the number of new developers that come into this space, That tracks uh, very closely with price. Prices go up, um, number of new developers go up. Um, But then, if you look at kind of like all of monthly developers, you do get this thing where in 2018 we saw a peak, prices then crashed more than 80%, but developers stayed flat. And I, I think that is a really, really remarkable thing to see is that, yes, like price movement, excitement in the market brings in. In, it like infuses the ecosystem with new people coming in, exploring what's happening, um, and then they and then they're and then they're kind of sticky, right? Um, one of the things that we found though is that that stickiness is totally dependent on how often you're contributing, which intuitively I think makes a lot of sense. Where we categorize developers by full-time developers, uh, part-time developers, and one-time developers. Full-time developer means that you contribute ten or more days in a month. That's uh, that's 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 basically like this is your job now, right? You're 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 more than just a like working on this on weekends, you're more than just working on this on, you know, days off. This is this is kind of you know, one of the core focuses of your life. And as a full time developer, that retention looks really good across Web3, where um, for something like Ethereum, especially after three years, your retention is still above 30%, which is incredible. But it also matters at exactly where in the market you came from. Um, If you came at the exact market top, and then it's just all downhill, your retention is actually still not great. Um, and so we kind of see that and we did these kind of like triangle charts for retention. And you can see that if you came in, like literally right at the 2018 market top, your retention um, after year one is just going to be a little bit worse uh, compared to
1: everyone else. And so I think that that timing also also matters. Another narrative that's been really, really big, I think, in the last like year or two is this idea of like the multi-chain future. Right. Um, and this is because like we have explosions of other ecosystems. Justin and I did a like an episode on like the multi-chain universe, I think a couple episodes back. So uh, just a quick plug for our listeners if they want to refresh. But. Going back to that, uh, it's really interesting to see like new developers that came in that are not working on Bitcoin or Ethereum, but actually on another layer one ecosystem. So like we'd love to just like let's dig into that and like talk about the numbers there. You know,
2: now we have some ecosystems that are growing faster than Ethereum at the same point in time. So Polkadot, Solana, Near, uh, Binance Smart Chain, Avalanche and Terra all fall into that group. Um, and so that's that's really incredible to see. Although, again, to kind of contextualize it, the the Ethereum ecosystem is still close to three times bigger than the next biggest ecosystem. So there's, there's still quite a gap. But the growth trajectory for some of these layer ones looks uh, pretty incredible. The other thing that was really interesting, um, speaking of kind of this multi-chain universe, is um, EVM-compatible chains, too. One of the things that we've seen is that it actually, you know, we track primary developers, which is um, developers that are that are kind of primarily on your chain and then cross chain developers, which means that, hey, this project's governance token actually lives on another chain, but it, it kind of bridges over to this chain. And so when we track these two types of developers, we see that being EPM compatible is actually a fairly, like, it's a very, very reasonable bootstrapping mechanism. You see a lot of ecosystems start with a lot of cross-chain developers and then somehow cross over, right? And now they have more primary developers building just within their ecosystem. Um, So that's been really, really interesting to see as well.
0: There's a lot to unpack here. Um, Just to to kind of rehash this, basically, Ethereum has two to three times the amount of developers as the next closest ecosystem. And the next closest are, I think, what, Solana, Polkadot, uh, Cosmos, and then, you know, a whole collection of others. We think of Ethereum today, or at least, you know, I can't talk for Catherine, but my my perspective on the ecosystem of Ethereum is just running away with developers. They have they have such strong developer support, and it kind of bears out in this EVM compatibility thing, right? All the EVM developers, that's a great way to bootstrap another network, right, is, you know, building the EVM. Um, but it does mean that other ecosystems are actually growing Fast.
2: yeah there are ecosystems now that are growing
1: faster than ethereum at that same point in time which is um which is really incredible to see I know Maria like aside from you know pouring countless hours of work into doing this you're also an investor and so I just wanted to like ask you, you know, with some of the really fast growing ones, like, uh, what really is like driving the growth? And maybe this is not near like specifically, but like, what are the common factors that you see people um, citing either from like your, your seat as an investor or just like from talking to people, like why they're kind of going to different ecosystems?
2: I mean, there's two answers to that. One is that a lot of layer one ecosystems have huge treasuries, right? And they are incentivizing developers to come into their ecosystem as well. Um, and so that's that's part of it where um, developers are coming in because of the grants that they're getting, um, which is why I think it's really, easy, you know, interesting to look at retention, like what happens when these developers do join the ecosystems. But I think the other thing that's really important to know is that a lot of these layer ones came out of, you know, 2017, 2018. And this is, you know, after they had a chance to look at Ethereum and then decide a set of trade offs that they they would want to make. Um Compared to what Ethereum has made. And so a lot of these chains have, um, you know, made trade offs to have uh, faster transaction times um, to have lower transaction fees. Um, And that is translating into a different set of use cases. Um, that's possible on some of these other layer ones. It's not really possible on Ethereum layer one as it stands today. I think layer twos, adds another layer to the story. And then, you know, obviously, Ethereum is also upgrading. Um, but I do think, you know, on some of these other chains, the ability to have sub, you know, to, to have transactions under a cent um, like on Near, holds a lot of interesting implications for use cases that just doesn't make sense on ethereum so like for example um you know a lot of game developers are developing on near and part of that is thinking about wow like actually you know for ethereum i really have to think about batching transactions right i really have to think about okay how do i do everything in as few transactions as possible because i don't want my users to pay money um but on some of these other layer ones the trade-off is different it's actually oh actually you know if everything can be a transaction um, then, then what kind of you know what kind of possibilities does that open up, and what kind of use cases does that open up? And then in the DeFi space as well, I think that's really interesting, where um, you know some of the liquidation mechanisms that uh, Ethereum has, um, you can actually make the system. Um, more uh, more efficient in some ways by by liquidating people faster because, uh, because block times are faster. And so there's different kind of trade-offs that different chains have had. And I think we're in the beginning, like the very, very early innings of seeing some new use cases that are enabled by some of these other layer one chains.
1: I wanted to talk about one particular piece of the data that I feel like garnered a lot of discussion online that I've seen, which is the one around DeFi. Um, so uh, you know, DeFi at this point is, an, is like really a sector or industry within crypto that uh holds like just locks tremendous value, like a hundred billion worth of value that's like locked in it. Um, And the like reading the report, uh, it basically says that DeFi is really only supported by like a thousand like full-time developers. And so like obviously a lot of people are asking the question, like is this an existential risk
2: really to like DeFi? I would say that first of all, I think it's an incredible statistic that about a thousand developers are, are effectively, um, you know, building with more than hundred billion dollars in assets in the DeFi space. I think that statistic is really incredible. Um, I think all you know, it just points to how early we are. To be completely honest, um, and then I think we do need more developers in the space.
0: A couple of thoughts that I had was, you know, I feel like a, a DeFi developer really is worth one point five to two x a Web two developer. Because, you know, think about, again, the example of Uniswap, it only took a couple developers to build that, that that set of smart contracts. Once they're deployed, you really can't update them. Like, smart contracts are set in stone. There's not too much development to happen on smart contracts. So you have to kind of redevelop new smart contracts if you want to update them. So I kind of feel like DeFi number one might just benefit from a better economy of scale. Or not an economy of scale, better efficiency for the developers, right? One developer packs a bigger punch. Um, the other one, too, I'm wondering is like, is DeFi also maybe more closed source in some sense, or maybe are they just borrowing code from others so they do more with less or something?
2: Code borrowing is a huge part of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot of forking that happens in DeFi. And so that is one of the things is that if a code is forked, um, you know, for those commits, uh, we we don't really count them because we want to only look at original contributors of code. And so that is going to discount um, a big portion of developers.
1: What are some of the trends, Maria, that like really makes you super optimistic or that like you're excited to see more of um, next year when we read like the 2022 report?
2: Yeah, I think one um, one thing that was kind of funny from looking at last, uh, you know, how, how developers and price interacted with each other last time around is that Even though prices peaked in 2018, um, developers grew for another year afterwards. Um, And I think that's, you know, that's frankly really encouraging and that like, okay, if even if we're sitting at all time highs right now, we're actually still like if the cycle is like last cycle, then we're going to see developers still like a lot of new developers coming in all the way into 2023. And I think that's that's definitely really exciting. Um, This idea that um, uh, one of the things I'm really excited about to see is is actually things that go beyond developers. Again, you know, we kind of talked about how difficult it is to capture the growth um, in in NFTs and in gaming because so much of this is closed source. And I also wonder if, um, you know, for some of these looking at different other slices of data is is a great way of measuring growth and part of that could be how strong is the community one of the other reports that we want to publish in this year in 2022 is a community report um i think that is an incredible incredibly important part of crypto um important part of web3 is measuring community activity and um uh, and community robustness and health and growth. Um, and so that's one, one measure that we're going to be looking at again and, as well. And I think that in conjunction with developers really just gives a richer um, uh, picture for what's happening in the space overall.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to read that. Um, and in fact, when you're, when you're talking right there, I was thinking in my head, you know, hey, this developer report's great, but it's only kind of one slice of the pie. What we're trying to do is capture growth in the ecosystem and we're using the open source metrics to look at developers, right? But there's also community members and boy, would a community report be equally as valuable. Another one that I'm thinking too, by the way, and funny because I think Coinbase is uniquely positioned to do this, but we could also have a, a holders analysis monthly active holders, how many people are actually, you know, holding assets in these ecosystems or participating in them in some way, or, you know, even holding an asset, by the way, that kind of is an active user in a sense for crypto, because it means you are aligned with that community. You're watching for its growth. You're part of it. You know, you're you're a member in that community. And so, you know, if we had those three things, community uh, reports, developer reports, and holder reports together, they'd give us probably a bigger sense of the whole pie and how it's all growing. I also, by the way, Wanted to see, I think it'd be really fascinating if we could compare and contrast how developers are pouring into the ecosystem and the reflexivity between price and developers, and also how price and growth of the ecosystem affects holders and see what the difference is between how developers fill in and out and how holders fill in and out and kind of understand better exactly how crypto pushes forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely, I 100% agree. This reminds me of um, some of the HODL charts, the HODL waves Um, Mm -hmm. I I saw in 2018, but I, I agree, I think, holding it is is one way of, you know, I think so much of crypto has to do with like identity and you, you kind of identify with the ecosystem that you're in, the tokens that you hold. Um, and so I do think that is a really incredible way of slicing the data. Um, but also just back to the original point of how crazy it is and how incredible and how cool it is that all of this data is out in the open, right? And when else, have we ever worked in an industry this large where, where it's so transparent and we can actually start looking at these numbers? Um, I think that's one thing that I, you know, I really love working in the crypto space is just the accessibility of the data.
0: Probably one of the reasons why developers flock to it. It's open. It's interesting. It's exciting. And there's so many different areas you can dive into.
1: And it's exciting to build things um with the community that's also so excited you know like it's fun like to i don't know like to build things when people like appreciate it and like when everyone's having fun i don't know i think that's like really like a um not talked enough in like aspect of building in crypto which is is that like the community that you choose is like the one that you just simply maybe like sometimes like the most and like that's such like a human joy part of it that i think is so powerful um so, yeah. So for if people wanted to actually read the report for themselves, Maria, where can they find it?
2: Yeah. So if you go to um, uh, electriccapital.com, um, you'll be able to see the report there. Uh, you can follow us at Electric Capital on Twitter. Um, all of these places will have uh, will have the developer report. The last thing I would shout out is this really is both like such a team effort but also such a community effort. And so if you see repositories that you know might be missing, please, please, please do contribute to our, um, our open, uh, ecosystem taxonomy. You can kind of see that you'll be, you know, if you, if you go to the report, you'll be able to see where you can contribute. Um, you can do a pull request. You can email us also at info at Um, I will see all those messages and I will reply. Um, and if you also, if anyone has ideas for types of metrics that might be interesting to look at, um, very open to that as well. So open discussion, really, really open to feedback. If anyone has any thoughts, please do feel free to email us. And that's info at electriccapital.com.
0: That's the ethos of crypto open, collaborative. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do things uh, together and in the open. Love it.
1: Well, thank you so much, Maria, for taking the time to like talk to us about the report and what we're excited about the developer like activity in crypto and the future of it really
0: thank you so much
2: for having me it was so much fun to have this discussion
0: yeah i mean i honestly Catherine, i wish we had more time to dive into specifically dive into what the other ecosystems are doing i mean we we touched on it right like oh ethereum is leading but these others are gaining slash you know also performing very well there's probably so much to look into as far as what the other communities are doing, what the other developers are doing, um, just didn't have time.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what I said this during our conversation, but it is like quite nice every year to actually look at these developer reports because again, so much of it is substantiating like the narratives that like we think of right based on what we see or based on headlines and like actually looking at the numbers behind it because like look it's true like with no one building on any of these layer ones like there's nothing to use like we talk all day on this podcast about like the applications and like what it enables but like at the end of the day like you need developers to actually build things and want to build things and the community piece is also so real like I know our last episode was like all about the community and it's like it really has like such a symbiotic relationship with each other.
0: I'm going to throw out a a weird analogy. Um, Maybe not weird because it's cliche, but it it makes sense. Um, Bear with me. So I think that we're in like 1995, 1996 of the internet again. But the sense, I know, cliche, whatever, whatever. But again, the sense is like, look, I mean, we have all this data. It's open source. We can look at the developers. We can also look at the community members. We can look at maybe the holders to some degree. But it's hard to pull those numbers out. What we're waiting for is we're waiting for the Google. They could take all the data that's out there and index it, you know, make make it accessible, make it easy to look at. And then I think all the insights are going to flow, but we're not there yet. It's going to take another couple of years. Yeah,
1: but in the meantime, like it is pretty incredible to Maria's point that like we're in an industry where you really can like start auditing and like looking at activity this early on. And like, I think, you know, every time there's like uh like there's all these like data analytic dashboards that's popped up like, um, and, and like a lot of it is like so like community driven. Like one of the big dashboards out there is Dune and Dune is literally made up of people. Like they're users that like contribute um, data and like analyze them. And I just really love that like spirit.
0: Yeah, it's, it's certainly out there. People are piecing these things together. We haven't found anything that's comprehensive and like really, I guess, mature and sophisticated. And but this developer report is probably the absolute best effort I've seen in the space to bring insight and like shine a flashlight on some of the open source data that does exist. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Around the Block podcast by Coinbase. Hey, did we ask all the right questions? We'd actually love to hear from you guys. What would you like to see from the developer report? What questions would you want us to ask? Did you learn something from this? Um, reach out to us, leave a comment, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on YouTube and we look forward to engaging with you.
1: And don't forget to check out coinbase.com slash around the block, where we have long-form research related to our topics and also have any latest about the podcast. And as always, we'll see you guys next week.
0: Today's conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Actual results may vary materially from any forward-looking statements made and are subject to risks and uncertainties.